today and what the Lord has put in my spirit. I'm going to address an issue that is so prevalent and common that it's really hidden, but I've learned that what I'm going to talk about has touched us all in some way and in some capacity. The book of Proverbs, I'm just going to read one verse. In verse number 24, the Bible says this. From the NIV version, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. <laughs> there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Today's message is simply entitled, There is a Friend. There is a friend. Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for your love, your mercy, your kindness, and your grace. Thank you for the privilege that we have of hearing your word. And I pray now for the anointing, the unction of the Holy Spirit. I rebuke every distraction and let us absorb and receive. And God, help us to give greater understanding and receive greater understanding of what you're ministering to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell somebody there is a friend. From the very beginning of man's existence, the Lord's plan was for the establishment of a strong, nurturing family unit. When man was first made, the Lord said it's not good for him to be alone, so he made him a helpmeet. He took from Adam's rib and made Eve, joined them together. And that was the beginning of what was going to be the example of a family. Family, either the nuclear family or extended family, was to be a strong, nurturing unit that would continue to provide for the continuation of mankind. When you have a strong family, that nuclear family, that of course is your father, your mother, your children, the siblings, that's the nuclear family. Then the extended family is the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, and we can't leave out the cousins. That's the extended family. And God intended that the family would be what is necessary for mankind to grow and to continue. And, and why is a family so important? First of all, a family teaches values and provides important life's lessons. The family also is there to provide many of the basic societal needs. Pazlov mentioned about the hierarchy of needs, and a family provides many of those, including security. It provides affection. A family also provides encouragement. A strong family is necessary to continue life, 
Remember, it takes the sperm of a male and the egg that needs to be fertilized in a woman so that children can be born. So a family is necessary for there to be reproduction, to be growth, to have growth, and to continue. But one of the most important reasons for why we have a family is because as humans, we are social creatures. And the family fosters a sense of belonging. A family provides us understanding that there's something greater than me by myself. And a family is there to allow us to know who I am. God wanted a family so we would know who we are. What is my name? It's because my family has provided me an understanding of who I am. The family is so important. Hear me. But sin, man's disobedience to God, sin entered into the realm of man and there God's design was marred. His design for the family was messed up. It's like having a beautiful, priceless painting and somebody comes along and just throws mud on it. Or somebody else comes along and takes a knife and then begins to slash it up. That's what sin did. Sin took the design of God for a family and messed it up. So, what God had planned for a person to have there to teach values and important lessons, to provide the affection, the security that is needed in a family, to provide the encouragement to, to continue with life, and most importantly, to have a sense of belonging. When sin entered in, the family then became marred, and people no longer had someone to teach them values. It was no longer somebody to provide affection, the security that we look for, even the encouragement. You see, when you're going through something, thank God a family will be there to encourage you to keep on going. When you need protection, hallelujah, your family is there to provide for you a place of security. And now that's been messed up, and most importantly, we don't know who we are because our family has been destroyed. I'm, I'm giving my age now, but I remember when the Roots TV series first came out. When Alex Haley wrote that book and it was turned into a mini-series that, that uh, surpassed all of the ratings. And some of y'all remember Kunta Kinte. That's why you got Uncle Kunta today. Kunta Kinte was the African slave that was uh, 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 put on the ship in Jufra Village in Gambia. I've had the privilege of actually going to Jufra Village there in Gambia. Uh, I had uh, the opportunity to sign my name on the registry to, to show that I was there. The actual place that, that uh, Kunta Kinte had been enslaved. And if you remember, those of you who can remember the series, the master tried his best 
to get Kunta not to acknowledge his name. But Kunta, as a child, as a child, his father whispered in his name, you are Kunta Kente. But then the slave masters would often cause the slaves to forget their names that they were and then take on the name that the master gave them to show ownership. You belong to me. A family gives us a sense of knowing who I am. When a family's destroyed, as the slave master told Kunta Kente, your name is Toby. And Kunta Kente refused. What is your name, Kunta Kente? No, I said your name is Toby. What is your name, Kunta Kente? And then the, the slave owner took Kunta Kente and put him on a whipping uh, uh, stick and then began to whip him mercilessly. What is your name? And finally, he, he said, Toby. And when Fiddler, you remember Fiddler? When Fiddler was helping him off of that whipping, that whipping block, Fiddler whispered in his name, he'll never forget, your name is Kunta Kente. No matter what people call you. You see, a family gives us a sense of who we are. And the devil will try his best to cause you to believe that you're not who you are. I wish somebody hear me, but you've got to know what your name is. I'm a child of the king. The devil will tell you, no, you're not. You do this, you do that. No, I refuse because my name is holy. My name belongs to God. But a family, when it's destroyed, will drastically affect all of the important ingredients of what a family is. Stay with me, stay with me. In preparing for today's message, I came across some mind-boggling statistics. And then it hit me, what I mentioned at the very beginning. The issue is so prevalent and common among us that it's really hidden. It's like it's blaring uh, us right in the face, but we can't see it because it's so common. Listen to this. And a Huff Post article reported that 50%, one half of all American families are blended families. One half of families in America today are blended. Hallelujah. The Pew Research Center reported in 2019 of adults between 18 and 44, almost 60% have lived with an unmarried partner at some point. And almost half of them have had two or more partners over the course of their life. A Yale University study in 2017 said, listen, the national average in America, 40% of births were out of wedlock. That means, according to the Brookings Institute, almost one million children 
are born into a fatherless family. The destruction of the family that God intended. And listen, according to the National Fatherhood Initiative, it reported according to the 2020 census, one in four children live without a biological step or adoptive father in their life. One out of four children don't have a father in their life. Hallelujah. And, and, and whether you want to accept it or not, all of us have been affected by these statistics. And if it's not us, we have family. We have those that are close associates that we can identify with what has been said. Help, help me, Holy Ghost. We've had many who were a rolling stone. They rolled in Mississippi. They rolled in Tennessee. They rolled in Virginia, then up to New York. Y'all See, some don't know what I'm talking about, but now, some remember that, that song, My Father Was a Rolling Stone. What, what is it? Well, whatever, y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody was rolling. Rolled in Arkansas, rolled in Kansas City, rolled in California. But guess what? Uh, the, the, he couldn't roll by himself. He had to be able to be going to somebody who was willing to let him roll on him. And consequently, uh, we've got so many that we don't even know who are our relatives. I, I declare in Kansas City, everybody's related to somebody. That's why you got to be careful. You can't be talking about somebody because you might be talking about somebody who is really a family member. And, and uh, it was fascinating to me because... Uh, on Discovery Plus that I uh, subscribed to, they had a program that talked about a California Cyro uh, 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 Bank. It's where individuals give their sperm so that uh, others can utilize to have children. Because you have to remember, uh, those that are gay family members uh, they need sometimes help because both of them at the same sex can't do the job. And others, because of fertility issues, utilize this sperm bank and are able to have children. Stay with me. But it was recorded in this documentary, uh, a, a person donated their sperm and consequently 19 children were born as a result of this sperm donation. I'm telling you, that's right. And, and different families were blessed to have children as a result of this one donor that was kept in sub-freezing temperatures. And, and, and through time, 19 children, stay with me, and the documentary showed how the children, because of course with uh, 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 various means on our computers, were able to interact one with the other in social media. All they knew it was donor, uh, just giving you an example, donor 5114. 
And, and they began through social media to find out they had brothers and sisters across the country who they realized be, were their family because of the sperm donation when the parents eventually told them of how they came to be. And the documentary goes on to say how these kids ended up having an annual reunion just to get to know one another. The families would bring them to a specific location and for the first time, they would be able to see who their brother and their sisters were. And then each year, it kept growing and growing. And according to the laws, the donor cannot be revealed. You can only wait till you're 18 and then see if the donor would even reveal who he is. So all of the kids were waiting for the oldest one who became 18. Go and check and see if you can find out who our biological father is. And they did so not knowing whether even the biological father would reveal his name because no doubt now he has his own wife, his own children. And, and you can imagine if you're married to somebody and then the married man comes and says, guess what, I got 19 children. Oh, wait a minute, that might have already happened. Hallelujah. I'm saying all of this points to the fact that the family as we know it has been destroyed. And when you don't have a father in your family, listen, that, ch that child is four times more often to live in poverty two times more often to experience infant mortality. They're more likely to commit a crime and go to prison and seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. And so you see the, the continuation of this cycle and the devil is saying, I got it. What the Lord intended for a family has been destroyed. But I'm here today to tell you, ha! You might not have a choice in who your family member is, but you have a choice in who is your friend. We might not be able to say, I didn't want my mother, but I'm here, or, or I didn't want you as a brother and sister, but we're tied together because of blood, but you do have a choice as to who is your friend. And that's what I'm sharing with you today, that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That even when your family might not want you, hallelujah, there is a friend. When it appears as if they'll kick you out and they don't want to have anything to do with you, there is a friend. When your family looks at your life and decides because of all of your faults and your failures, I don't want you anymore. There's a friend that will accept you for who you are. And remember, God is not concerned about our past. We all have a past. We all have history. But the key is once you learn Christ, once you become a born-again believer, then your whole perspective of what a family is has to change so you can understand I'm a child of God and I'm going to do whatever I can to keep the family in place. No, I might not have made all the right decisions myself, but thank God I found a friend.
A friend who was there to provide the security that I needed. A friend who was there that when I needed somebody to help, glory to God, my family wouldn't help me. My parents wouldn't help me. But thank God there was a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And you see, I believe that there are different dimensions in our relationship with the Lord. You see, when you become born again, you then become a child of God. You become a son, a daughter of God. And you know him as your healer. You know him as your deliverer. You know him as the one who you can call on in the time of need. But do you know him as a friend? I, I believe that we can get to a place in our relationship with the Lord that our God becomes our friend. Uh, it's one thing to say, Abba, Father. It's one thing to acknowledge him as our eternal father. But does he know you as a friend? Hallelujah. You see, when I make my, trans, my, my, my translation and I, I move from life to death, I can leave a final will and testament. I can decide where all of what I have goes to. And even though you might have been my spouse, you might have been my child, you might have been my parents, I could at my own volition not include you with anything I have. And I can give it all to a friend. Just because we have a relationship as father with our Lord and Savior, my question is, does he know you as a friend? You see, huh, telling my age again, I remember there was, some of y'all remember, Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> that little white puffy creature. And it was one of the cartoons that we would watch. And that little ghost became a friendly ghost. And I'm saying that if we can create a friendly ghost, then the Holy Ghost can be our friend. And when you can learn to take on the Lord as a friend, you don't need anyone around you. You can go to your secret closet. <laughs> you, uh, this friend knows every tear that falls from your eyes. This tear can hear your prayers and hear your groanings and is there to provide what you need. This friend is able to take you through even when others can't. This friend is able to heal your body when no one else can. And what friendship does is gives you favor. That's what I want. That's what you must have, the favor of God. Because favor can do for you what money can buy. When your parents 
or somebody in your family won't take you to work or take you to the hospital. Oh, a friend will drop what they're doing and come and pick you up. A friend doesn't expect to be paid. Hallelujah. Sometimes a family member says, now give me $5 for gas if I take him. Oh, y'all hearing me? But a friend says, no, 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 keep it. I'm doing this because I love you. That's why Jesus said, and, and Sherry mentioned it as he began that song. In St. John, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Yeah, not his son, not his children. Jesus had siblings, but they weren't around him when he was on the cross. Your friends will forsake you when you have a need. They'll be intimidated by the people around. Hallelujah! But a friend will stick with you to the very end. You are my friends, he says. And if you do whatsoever I command you, uh-oh, you're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, there it is. Friendship is contingent upon you being obedient to God. Your relationship with the Lord as a brother and sister is because you accepted him, he's received you, but now the next level of favor deals with your obedience to what the Lord has told you to do. Remember, the Lord does not care about our past, things that we used to do. None of us were perfect. But since we've learned Christ, how are we walking before him? How are we obeying God when he tells us this is not what you do or this is how you should do it? And our relationship with the Lord then is dependent upon us being a friend or obedient. I need God's favor. I don't know about you, but I need his favor. We're living in a time as we're living in that you can walk down the street and one little uh, germ can get in your system and take you out of here. I need God's favor. The blessings of God is what I need. So that's the friendship. Do you hear what I'm saying? I need the Lord as a friend. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. There is a friend. And here's the beautiful scripture, verse 16. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. To think out of the millions of people God could have chosen to save and to bring to us the revelation of who he is. Do you know there's so many people walking down the street who've lost their minds, they don't even know what their name is, and God has blessed us to sit in the sanctuary, hallelujah, and have full faculties of our limbs. God is so good to us. And it's because the Lord has chosen us. I'm sharing with you today, there is a friend. There's a friend. 
There's a friend that sticketh closer than a family member. When the Lord sees that his intent on a family has been destroyed, and now it, it, to have a solid family is the abnormal. And the Lord said, wait a minute, i got to do something. So he said, I'll become their friend. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God, that you chose us. And let us leave here understanding and knowing you are our friend. Now, Lord, give us another chance. You're giving, extending to us the opportunity for life. And we're saying yes, because you've chosen us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If there's someone here today who knows that they want the Lord as their friend.